Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, July 29th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. is in the geographic center of the United States, and since Roe v. Wade was overturned last month, the state also has been at the center of the abortion debate. On Tuesday, August 2nd, Kansans will go to the polls to decide a life or death matter, whether or not the state constitution approved in a referendum in 1859 includes a right to abortion. In 2019, four years after then-Governor Sam Brownback signed a law banning dismemberment abortion, protecting babies from a particularly brutal second trimester technique, the Kansas Supreme Court discovered a natural right to abortion that makes any common sense law aimed at protecting the unborn and their mothers unconstitutional. The discovery of this constitutional right is all the more incredible considering that in 1859, the same year the Constitution was approved, Kansas passed two laws calling for penalties, including prison, for those who perform abortion. Since 2019, pro-life activists in the state have been working on a pro-life amendment called Value Them Both. Next week, its fate will be determined. Danielle Underwood, Director of Communications for Kansans for Life and a spokeswoman for the Value Them Both Coalition, describes what's at stake. So, you know, we're at this precipice moment for our state. We have two paths ahead of us. One, if, if the amendment does not pass, we will have unlimited, unregulated abortion in Kansas. And if it does pass, then the ability will return to Kansans to have a say in this so that we can again have the the um, participation in our, in, our, in our democratic process to discuss what we believe as Kansans are appropriate limits on the abortion industry. If the amendment fails, Kansas will become an abortion destination as two of the states it borders, Missouri and Oklahoma, have banned almost all abortion. Kansans are bracing for what could be a 1,000% increase in the number of abortions within their borders. The other thing that we're fighting back against, the reason this is so incredibly important, is that even the Kansas City Star is acknowledging that we will likely see a 1,000% increase in the number of abortions here in our state if we don't pass this amendment. That's something that, you know, we, we can't even begin to, to wrap our minds around how horrible of a situation that would be. The idea of that amount of um, traffic coming into our state from surrounding states um, coming here for late-term abortions that then our tax dollars would subsidize is not something we will stand for. And so we've got to vote yes on the Value Them Both Amendment on August 2nd or before um, to make sure that we the people can regain our voices in this conversation and not allow these unelected judges to just take this completely from us and, and decide a, a terrible fate. The ballot, ballot initiative has raised more than $11 million with the pro-abortion faction outraising pro-lifers by $2 million. The majority of the money raised to help defeat the amendment has come in from out of state. Kansas's Catholic dioceses have contributed heavily to the pro-amendment pro effort. 
Ms. Underwood said one of the main opposition groups is registered at the same address as an abortion business, so the Kansas abortion industry is actually leading the effort to defeat the amendment. Several other states will consider constitutional amendments in November. Abortion-friendly California and Vermont are expected to pass amendments guaranteeing the right to abortion. Michigan residents also should be voting on an amendment asserting a fundamental right to reproductive freedom. Kentucky will vote on a pro-life amendment that asserts nothing in this constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. And now we turn to political news around the country. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer recently vetoed $20 million in anti-abortion line items in the state's budget. These items were meant to support expecting mothers and adoption campaigns. In a statement regarding the new budget, State Representative Thomas Albert, a Republican from Lowell who chairs the House Appropriations Committee, said Whitmer's vetoes rejecting pro-life funding support only one option for women in a crisis pregnancy the deadly choice of abortion. House Democrats recently blocked a resolution that would have condemned the recent attacks on pro-life facilities. The resolution also would have recognized the important role these facilities play in supporting pregnant women. Speaking on the House floor, Representative Mike Johnson, a Republican from Louisiana, criticized House Democrats for refusing to denounce the threats and violence since the Supreme Court draft opinion was leaked. This has gotten out of hand, Johnson said. Radical leftists were emboldened by the inaction of this body in the aftermath of the leaked opinion. And now they've targeted their violence against the very groups that care for women and their unborn children in their most vulnerable moments. It's unconscionable. Since the draft opinion was leaked, a number of pro-life pregnancy centers and churches have been vandalized by militant abortion activist groups, such as Jane's Revenge. Activists vandalized a crisis pregnancy center in Denton, Texas, with the radical pro-abortion messages, not a clinic, and forced birth is murder. In Fort Collins, Colorado, activists painted My Body, My Choice on the doors of a Catholic parish. Vandals spray-painted pro-abortion messages, such as abortion is a right, fake clinic, and liars on the side of a pro-life pregnancy center in Manassas, Virginia. A pro-life nonprofit center in Madison, Wisconsin was set ablaze and vandalized with the words, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Jane's Revenge claimed credit for an attack in which its members broke windows and scrawled messages including God loves abortion, fake clinic at Agape Pregnancy Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. In a tweet after the resolution was voted down, Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America said, by remaining silent on these attacks, Democrats are pouring fuel on the fire and encouraging more threats and violence. Recent polls have shown that up to 64% of Democrats would prefer a presidential candidate other than Joe Biden in 2024. Now a new poll from the University of New Hampshire shows that Biden is in a virtual first place tie in the state with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. The polls all point to the possibility that if Biden runs again, he will not secure the Democratic nomination. With speculation running high that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will relinquish her leadership post after the November midterms, 
California Democrat Adam Schiff appears to have thrown his hat in the ring to succeed her. The California Democrat, who had failed effort to impeach President Trump, is positioning himself to challenge Steny Hoyer of Maryland, James Clyburn of South Carolina, and Hakeem Jeffries of New York. But Schiff, at 62, represents the kind of leader many Democrats have urged the party to move beyond, older, white, and in politics nearly three decades. For the first time since 1946, New Yorkers will have just two choices for governor after election law changes froze out third-party candidates in the Empire State. Pro-abortion Democrat incumbent Kathy Hochul, who took over as governor when Andrew Cuomo was forced to step down, will face pro-life Republican challenger Lee Zeldin, who currently serves in the House of Representatives. While still in office, Cuomo championed changes to election law that made it more difficult for third-party candidates to get on the ballot, resulting in this year's nearly unprecedented two-candidate race. Early voting is currently underway in Kansas, Tennessee, Washington, and Hawaii. Alaska early voting begins on August 1st. On August 2nd, there will be primaries in Washington State, Michigan, Arizona, Missouri, and Kansas. While we encourage voter turnout in all these states, we especially want to encourage our friends in Kansas to turn out to vote for the Value Them Both Amendment. Also on August 2nd, there will be a second primary in Ohio for this Ohio State Senate and Ohio State House of Representatives. There are two primaries this year due to redistricting, so even if you voted in the May 3rd primary, please be sure to vote again, because these will not be the same offices that you voted for previously. There will additionally be a primary in Tennessee on August 4th and in Hawaii on August 13th. There are 102 days left until the primaries. Sunday will be the 100-day mark. For anyone who has moved or who may have missed voting registration deadline for the primaries, don't worry. There will be more deadlines later this fall to register for the general election, even if you missed out on registering in time for your state's primary. And that's political news in a nutshell. Since the overturning of Roe v. Wade on June 24th, the liberal media continues to report that this decision will have a disproportionate impact on black women and other women of color. It is being reported that since more black women live in the states that will likely ban abortion and those living in Southern states will bear the brunt. Jeanette McCarthy Wallace, general counsel for the NAACP stated that there is no denying the fact that this is a direct attack on all women and black women stand to be disproportionately impacted by the court's egregious assault on basic human rights. I have with me here tonight, Arnold Colbreth, Director of Ministry Engagement at the Douglas Leadership Institute. Welcome, Arnold. Thank you for having me. It's nice to have you here. And Arnold, what's your response to the liberal media who continues to state that the reversal of Roe v. Wade is having a negative impact on black women? Well, you know, when we talk about the liberal media, the thing that saddens me the most uh, is the numbers of African-American clergy that have been responding uh, negatively concerning the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and a pastor uh, of 37 years, 
uh, it, it just breaks my heart to hear those types of responses with all of this buzz. Um, many are arguing from the perspective of a woman's choice. And I certainly want to honor and respect and highly value uh, a woman's choice. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been married happily for 37 years. But what they exclude from the conversation is the choice to do what? Right. When we talk about abortion, the choice is to end the life of that preborn baby in the womb. Most people are just pounding from the perspective of, oh, we got to re re uh, protect the choice. Well, I'm all for choice when except when it comes to uh, the choice to kill a child. Yeah. If black um, lives matter, Teresa, they matter, including the womb. Of course, of course, Arnold. So, what do you say to people then? Um, you know that are that are saying this when when you hear someone come to you, uh, you're a black man saying, "Oh, wow, you know, now that this is overturned, uh, you know, our, our black women are really going to be affected by this." What is your response? Well, you know, abortion hurts women. Um, I know that up close and personal. Uh, my wife, my precious wife, Barbara had an abortion two years before we met. And then when we met and we started dating, uh, she shared with me the abortion decision that she had, had, she had made and how it had significantly impacted her. And although she's been forgiven by God, the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven her, uh, has cleansed her, uh, she still has thoughts from time to time uh, uh, about that decision. And we have women out there and men out there that have had not one abortion, but several abortions, and it's impacting them tremendously. So as there's this crusader-like quest for choice, we need to think about the backlash of that choice. Well, Arnold, what are you doing in, in your ministry um, to help expose some of these lies? Well, we, we hit uh, this issue from a myriad of perspectives because now that Roe has been overturned, there's a lot that needs to be done. The gospel of life needs to be preached more than ever before, that life is valuable, that it should be protected. And we train at the Douglas Leadership Institute, we train pastors how to do that in both truth and grace-filled ways. Uh, those that are saving sex for marriage, the, the virgins of our world, they need to be uh, instructed and, and uh, be, uh, have accountability provided. Virginity is still, or chastity, however you choose the word that, is still God's best. Um, men and women still need resources and support, and fathers need to be equipped and encouraged. We challenge fathers to, uh, to keep themselves sexually pure uh, until marriage. Post-abortive men and women around our nation uh, need help, hope, and healing. So at Douglas Leadership Institute, we've launched our Jeremiah 1 and 5 project. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, God says through the prophet, he says to the prophet Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And I and I and I called you to be a prophet to the nation. So we train pastors. If if listeners will go to our website, dlinstitute.org, uh, they slash Jeremiah, they can find out more. We've got an army, Teresa, of over 500 black pastors. We have many non-black pastors. And we have people in general that are standing with us for life. 
Amen. Well, thank you so much, Arnold, for helping expose some of these lies of the liberal media. And uh, this is a very critical issue, as you know, and uh, we certainly appreciate all of your continued hard work in the pro-life movement. We hope you'll come back and join us again, but I understand you will be uh, joining Janet Marana on Just Ask Janet, which will air next week. So if you want to hear more about Arnold's uh, ministry and all of the work that he does, we ask that you join Just Ask Janet next Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Thank you so much, Arnold. God bless you. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Abortion dominated the news again this week, so we have a lot to get through. Buckle up. The Federal Department of Health and Human Services this week proposed a new rule that would force pro-life medical professionals to perform abortions despite their conscience protections. The rule reinterprets federal law to prohibit discrimination on the basis of termination of pregnancy, an action that could force physicians and hospitals to perform abortions and employers to cover abortions in their health insurance plans. Public comment will be accepted for 60 days. When we have the information on how to comment, we will post it on our website, prolifeprimetimenews.com. So please visit. Hundreds of pro-lifers dressed in blue crowded into the Indiana State House in Indianapolis Tuesday as state senators convened a special session to consider a bill banning most abortions. Abortion supporters turned up on Monday, as did Vice President Kamala Harris, who met with Democrat leaders in the state. Pro-life Republicans dominate both houses of the Indiana legislature, so a substantive abortion ban is expected to pass and could be in effect by September 1st. State laws on abortion continue to be in flux. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court officially entered its judgment in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the case that overturned Roe v. Wade. Although the case was decided June 24th, the filing of the official judgment started a 30-day countdown clock on trigger laws in several states. Near-total abortion bans are slated to be enacted August 25th in Tennessee and Idaho. In Texas, where abortions stopped immediately after Roe v. Wade was overturned, a new law will take effect August 25th that imposes steeper fines and sentences for those who perform abortion. Also this week, abortion sellers and advocates turned to a state court to try to block the heartbeat bill in Georgia after it was enacted on the order of a federal judge. It remains in effect. In South Carolina, a county judge allowed that state's heartbeat bill to remain in effect and sent the case to the South Carolina Supreme Court. In West Virginia, Republican Governor Jim Justice called the legislature back into session to work on reducing personal income tax rates, but then he amended the call saying he wanted lawmakers to work on a new modern abortion law. That bill is still in the works. And in Wyoming, a ban on abortions with the usual exceptions, rape, incest, and life of the mother, was enacted on Wednesday and blocked by a judge hours later. A North Dakota ban set to take effect yesterday was instead blocked by a judge. In a move they claim will restore legitimacy and independence to the nation's highest court, a group of House Democrats on Tuesday introduced a bill calling for term limits for Supreme Court justices. The bill would authorize a sitting president to nominate a new justice every two years and move current justices to senior status, beginning with the justice who has served on the bench the longest. Currently, that position is held by Justice Clarence Thomas, who was sworn in on October 23, 1991. New justices would serve for a maximum of 18 years. Justices moved to senior status, a semi-retired state, would remain on the Supreme Court payroll. Rhode Island Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse introduced a similar bill in the Senate where it has virtually no chance of passing. Also in the Senate this week, New Jersey Democrat Cory Booker introduced a bill called the Abortion is Healthcare Everywhere Act. It would get rid of the Helms Amendment, which has prohibited United States foreign aid from being used to pay for abortions in other countries since 1973. Booker's bill will die in the Senate. 
At the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, dozens of incoming medical students walked out of a white coat ceremony rather than having to listen to a keynote address from a pro-life physician who had no plans to talk about abortion. The ceremony marks the beginning of the student's medical school journey, and on social media, many people suggested these young people might want to seek a new profession that won't expose them to ideas they are too frightened to hear. Also at the University of Michigan, football coach Jim Harbaugh clarified his stance on abortion after his remarks at a pro-life fundraiser were widely reported. Here's ESPN getting to the bottom of it. I've told, same thing I tell my, my, my kids, boys, the girls, same thing I tell our, our players, our staff members. Uh, you know, I would encourage them if they have, if they have a pregnancy that you know, wasn't planned, uh, you know, to go through with it, go through with it, you know, let that, that unborn child be born. And if at that time you, know, you, you don't feel like you can care for it, you don't have the means or the wherewithal, then Sarah and I will take that baby. Any player on our team, uh, any female staff member, any staff member, or anybody in, in our family, our, our, uh, our, uh, our extended family <clears throat> that, that, that uh, doesn't feel like after they have a baby that they can take care of for it, we got a big house, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll raise that baby. And finally, we, re we return to Vice President Kamala Harris and consider what on earth she was thinking when she said the following. And, you know, listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America, and this is a real issue, and we need to act with a sense of haste about what is at play, what is at stake. Well, yes, women in America are getting pregnant every day, despite the best efforts of the federal government, under the Obama administration to prevent children from being conceived, and under Biden to ensure that no American gets out of the womb alive. I suppose we should be thankful she referred to women and not birthing people or individuals with uteruses. And that's it for Abortion in the News this week. Priests for Life wants you to come with us on the road as we minister to the pro-life movement nationwide. Tonight, I would like to introduce you to our travel coordinator, who is instrumental in getting our team to where they need to be. Welcome, Michael Mull. Hi, Teresa. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. And Michael, even though you work behind the scenes in the travel office, you do get to interact on a daily basis with a lot of the trip coordinators around the country. Absolutely, Teresa. Okay. It's such a blessing to be able to work with these people that are fighting for life every single day. Well, we're glad to, that you're with us. So now we'd like to share some of the events that our team have been involved in over the past few weeks. Father Frank Pavone attended the America First Policy Institute's America First Agenda Summit in Washington, D.C. President Trump returned to D.C. to deliver the keynote address. Father Frank Pavone and our executive director, Janet Morana, attended the Law of Life Summit in Chicago this past week. Members of the Catholic Marketing Network also participated in the Momentum 22 trade show, where bookstore owners across the country took samples of our materials and books. Priests for Life had a prominent role in the talks and prayer sessions. Janet and Father Frank did various interviews about Janet's new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens. If you would like to find out more information on this book, please visit abortionandteens.com. The words from the Dobbs decision reversing Roe v. Wade are held high by Janet and Father Frank. And Janet Morana, also the co-founder of Silent No More Awareness Campaign, was able to share reflections on how the Divine Mercy is helping women who have had abortions. 
Thank you, Michael, for joining me tonight. And uh, you, this was probably a very successful trip that you planned for them. Lots of details. Thank you. Yes, it went very well. And uh, that was a glimpse of Priests for Life on the Road. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Michael. Last week, we took viewers to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where a new abortion business is getting ready to open. While that's bad news for the city located on the border of Texas and Mexico, there is some good news as well. The Guiding Star Project, which provides a full spectrum of women's health services, is opening nearby. Joining us tonight from northern Minnesota is Leah Jacobson, who founded Guiding Star in 2011. Welcome, Leah, and congratulations on the opening of your seventh center. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. How did you first come up with the concept of Guiding Star, and how were you able to get started? Uh, you know, Guiding Star really came from my heart as um, I worked as a campus minister. So I worked for the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, as um, the first kind of lay campus minister at the University of Minnesota Duluth. My husband, Josh, and I were hired, and we moved into the ministry house as young newlyweds. Um, actually, my husband was still an undergraduate nursing student at the time, and we welcomed our first two babies living on campus. And it was in those interactions as young um, newlyweds, new parents with students where I began to have a very troubling experience of realizing, you know, the average young woman, um, even in the church who's been well catechized and loves her faith, knows very little about her body and knows very little about what a natural female body should do. Um, and so I had so many questions and conversations with young women those years about, you know, fertility and family planning and um, breastfeeding and childbirth. And it really stirred and began in my heart um, the first visions of what of what we need proactively to create a culture of life, um, a culture where women understand and appreciate and embrace their natural bodies. Wow. Well, thank you, Leah. I can imagine that was uh, very impactful. So can you now tell us just a little bit about some of the services that you offer? Yeah. So from that kind of initial conception of what a guiding star center should be, what women deserve, um, it has the elements of, you know, a pregnancy center in it with things like um, crisis kind of intervention, helping women, women deal with a, an unplanned situation, but more so they're very proactive services. We're looking to engage with women, you know, as young as nine years old, we want them in our center to be teaching them about their fertility. We have a program called the cycle show that really helps them for the first time to remove shame surrounding what a female body does. And so our core services at every Guiding Star Center um, are fertility awareness, uh, natural childbirth and, um, you know, delivery support, and then also breastfeeding and postpartum care. And then as well as we have a fourth core service that is family life support. And that includes a drop-in child watch at every one of our Guiding Star Centers because we just need to recognize that women um, really need to be supported as mothers. And everywhere where women are welcome, we should also make sure that children are welcome as well. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm curious about your process for opening a new center. Do pro-lifers in a certain area contact you and ask you to consider that location or is it the other way? How does well, that yeah. Go? No, actually, that's kind of how it has been. You know, this project has been really up and running for, uh, you know, a little over 10 years now, and it's been very organic. The growth of Guiding Star has happened. I kind of call it a movement of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Wherever the Holy Spirit seems to say, well, this is where you're going. That's where we end up. Um, we have had groups and individuals from around the country approach us to see whether or not they're a good fit. We've started Guiding Star Centers um, from fertility care practices, from pregnancy centers that choose to kind of grow and expand their services into medical. And we've also had um, family practice and independent family uh, practice doctors reach out to us and say, I want to have a private practice that incorporates this worldview, this sort of view of life. And so our centers are very... Um, 
focused on this holistic, natural worldview of women's health care. Uh, we see that as being one of the best ways to proactively address a culture of death, uh, address a women's health care system that is really lying to women and traumatizing them. Well, Leah, as you're aware, um, New Mexico has no restrictions on abortion. And uh, we're expecting, as I'm sure you are, that women from Texas and other states are going to travel there for abortions. Do you have a strategy in place for trying to reach these women as they're coming there, they're set on having an abortion, and they've actually gone out of state to have it done? Yeah, it's just a really tragic situation. I think what we're seeing happen in New Mexico, we're seeing, you know, I've heard estimates as high as, you know, a dozen to maybe 15, even 20 abortionists that are targeting the state of New Mexico. Now we'll see what ends up happening in the next year. But we saw very quickly, you know, the abortionist from Jackson's Women's Health from the Dobbs case has moved her practice now into Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is very close to one of our existing affiliates. And so we have a center in El Paso, Texas, that has been getting up and running and has been serving women very well for um, several years now. And to us, this felt like a very natural um, moment in time where we had the resources and the personnel to be able to extend next door to this abortion clinic in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And the message that we're bringing there is really, you deserve excellent health care. And what you are going to receive in this abortion clinic is not excellent health care. You know, you deserve to be walked alongside and told the truth about your body. Um, so our plan and our strategy really is just to um, meet the women, try to have a moment of connection, try to say, you know, there are other options available. You might not be aware of that. Um, I had someone recently ask me the question about whether or not traveling a long distance, you know, shows intent of a different level you know whether a woman if she drove 11 hours across texas does that mean that she's just absolutely set on that abortion and i said you know i don't think that's necessarily the case and i think 11 hours of in the car or in an airport or on a plane gives you a lot of time to think and you know maybe that's the first moment of silence that she's had maybe maybe she hasn't been alone the entire time maybe somebody has been with her that whole time telling her and funneling her towards a healthcare decision that you know in the end she just needs a moment to breathe and say what is it that i truly deserve and want what do i desire for myself at this moment and it's critical that we're there to tell her you know there are options here you can choose um the storyline that you want. You don't have to do this just because you came 11 hours. You know, someone to just remind her that just because you came a long way doesn't mean you have to do anything. Oh, that's right. And I'm sure you have some women who come to you who are not abortion minded. What, what are most women looking for when they come to Guiding Star? Yeah, you know, we're not typically, you know, in the crisis kind of business. That's not really where we try to set up shop. This is our first center that we've ever located near an abortion clinic. And it took a little bit of um, convincing and thought, you know, as to whether or not we thought it was worth it at this moment. And in this case, we said, you know, we have the resources available from our center in El Paso where we can go um, and make an impact here. But typically Guiding Star and the work that we do is really a proactive, preventative type of model where we're looking to serve women with their everyday health care, just telling them the truth about how a female body should work, you know, and really kind of turning the feminist narrative a little bit on its head. Um, the book that I wrote last year is called Holistic Feminism, Healing the Identity Crisis Caused by the Women's Movement. And it's focused on this um, idea of where the women's movement went wrong in dissociating women from their natural bodies and really kind of making our bodies the problem when that was never the problem. Our fertility and our pregnancies, that's never been the problem. But a culture and a society 
that doesn't understand us, that is a problem because we're not creating the policies and the laws to support motherhood, to support women the way we're naturally made. Well, thank you, Leah. And the book that you wrote um, that you just mentioned, Holistic Feminism, um, what inspired you? Was it the women that, that found their way to Guiding Star? You know, yes, it was, but more so um, in my in my work, I'm a board certified lactation consultant. And so I work with women postpartum every single day. And it was um, a lot of those conversations of women, you know, expressing to me that they didn't trust that their body was going to work. Like they had just been told repeatedly over the past decade of their life, you know, starting at 12, 13 years old when they had painful cycles and they were put, you know, on birth control to fix it. And then they had a pregnancy that was difficult and they were told, you know, they need to fix it with all these, you know, just for different augmentations and labor. And then they had a difficult delivery. And by the time they get to me as a lactation consultant, a few days postpartum, I have women saying things to me like, I'm a terrible mother. I can't do this. My body doesn't work. If I ever get pregnant again, I'm, I'm going to have an abortion. No baby deserves me as a mom. And women are being broken in our healthcare system. They're being, uh, you know, broken down in their trust for themselves and their love for themselves. Uh, I think that is just such a critical thing that we can do right now is restore that connection to our bodies and that trust that, you know, God doesn't create by mistake. They're not a mistake and their body's not the problem. So that's the work we do at Guiding Star. It's a very preventative, proactive model to try to just restore female connection and love to the, for their bodies. That's definitely a message that every woman needs to hear. So thank you so much for joining us, Leah. Yeah, and, thank you um, for having me. Sure. And Leah, what um, could you tell us the website uh, that people can go to for additional information? Yeah, absolutely. Our, our main website is just guidingstarproject.com. You can find locations of our seven centers currently around the country. Um, you can sign up to help support this work. Um, we definitely are looking to expand pretty extensively now in a post-row world. We think that every, um, every state needs several guiding stars, especially the states that will continue to see abortion centralizing and abortion increasing. We know that we have to provide an alternative worldview of healthcare. So we, we really welcome people joining us at this moment in time. And we agree um, as well, Leah, and we're going to be praying for success in your life-saving mission in Las Cruces. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priests for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will join us every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. If you have an idea for a story or would like to expose something in the abortion industry, please email us at media at priestsforlife.org. We hope that you will support this show and all of our broadcasts, including Just Ask Janet, Oceans of Mercy, Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock, and Primetime Live with Father Frank by making a donation to prolifegift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. And I'm Leslie Palmer, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.